thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Live from Trackside, this is IMSA Radio. Everybody and welcome along to our Thursday coverage of Mortel Petit Le Mans, where we are getting ready for one of my favourite sessions of the whole week. It is nighttime practice, no qualifying. Uh, that'll all be done tomorrow, and we'll have that for you live in sound and vision on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV with no blocks, breaks, or interruptions. So we're getting ready for 90 minutes, 9-0 minutes. Uh, of the cars finding out where to point their headlights and it will be more important than ever at this year's Motul Petit Le Mans because with the later, latest starting time that we've ever had in the history of this race uh, then we're going to have 3 hours and 43 minutes of racing to the chequered flag after the official time of sunset. That's all to come. I'll be joined by Shea Adam, our VP, Racing Fuel Pit and Paddock Reporter, and here in the IMSA Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre by Jeremy Shaw. Stay tuned. RS2 is IMSA Radio and the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, Matul Patilamon, Free Practice 3, is next. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. So wherever you are in the world, uh, Twitter is working now. I am delighted to tell you at IMSA Radio, if you'd like to get in touch with us, appreciate it's quite late in the evening. In fact, already into the early morning, isn't it, in the UK, at coming up at half to half past midnight, half past one, of course, if you are in Europe. Uh, a big hello to Cardiff Lamming who's looking after uh, Euro Interpol this weekend. Uh, lovely to know that you're tuned in, Cara, and uh, best wishes to you and the team. Great to have them here this weekend. Uh, free practice three, Jeremy, coming up, which stands for absolutely nothing in terms of setting the grid, but could actually... As we look at what time of day we are at now, uh, particularly the last hours uh, of uh, the last hour or so of this, could be really important when we get down to the money laps on Saturday, because there are quite a lot of drivers who haven't been here before and may not understand what driving in the very dark darkness, if that makes sense, uh, to a Michelin uh, Raceway Road Atlanta means. Well, while we wait for Jeremy, uh, let's go to Shea Adam uh, to answer some of the questions that we posed in FP2 in uh, this VP Racing Fuel Pit and Paddock report. Hello. Hello. Uh, I'm here for you. Thank you. So we had uh, one mystery out on track, which was the number 12 Lexus. It only turned 11 laps during that 
full practice two session. So an hour worth of running only 11 laps. That's because they had a fuel cell electrical problem. The team found it fairly early. They diagnosed it, which is even more important. And then they fixed it. So that car will be out ah. for all of this night running. That's Frank Montecalvo, Townsend Bell. And of course, uh, Kyle Kirkwood making his IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship debut. Another question that we asked at the end of the last session, we have addressed it, but just in case people weren't listening to the Michelin Pilot Challenge qualifying, and why weren't you? But I understand it's dinner time. The young gentleman who was waving the checkered flag at the end yes. of the session, his name is Preston. He is on the stand and he is, quote, a great kid, according to Mike Murphy. So thank Present you for that date. answer, Mike. Um, we asked the question about cars with pedals. Do the cars in the top tier series still have three pedals or is it just two? Well, it's just two. They have clutch paddles, which some of the drivers were trying to justify to me is almost as good as a pedal. I mean, it's all the same letters that you spell it with, but just a slight <laughs> rearrangement. Very good. <laughs> but, Puddles and no. pedals. Okay. No, it's no substitute. And I am going to try and send a message to one Harry Tinknell to find out if he's going to be driving the car first because it would be nice to get a chat with him. Also, need to find out about that uh, very roty rat tat 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 noise on the overrun of the uh, the Mazda uh, engine. Uh, Jeremy Shaw has joined me in the IMSA Haggerty Global Broadcast Centre. Uh, quite a lot of darkness, Jeremy, on Saturday. Three hours and 43 minutes from official sunset to when the 10 hours expires. We might add a minute or so onto that as well. And we know from experience, I mean, already dark now at just on half past six Atlanta time. Uh, and, I mean, it's very dark out in the country here. And there's there's a few drivers, you mentioned early on, how many rookies we've got here this weekend, who I think it would be a wise move to send them out to have a look. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right, uh, John. And, um, you know, that's more than a third of the race will be run in, in, in uh, night conditions, uh, longer than a usual two hours and 40 race. So uh, for the GT, GTLM drive, no problem. They were doing this one week ago, of course, Charlotte. But for everybody else, uh, not so easy. Yeah, there's quite a few drivers who, who must come, uh, must take part in this uh, night session now, this official night session, to earn the right to, to compete during the race. Drivers uh, on the on the, including obviously all the first times, but others. The surprises on the list are people like, for example, Trent Hinman, uh, Jan Halen, McNeil, um, and various other drivers uh, as well. So they have to compete three laps out there this evening. For everybody else, it's not that. I was particularly the AM drivers in GTD. They almost certainly will have completed all their, their minimum drive time in the race. Well, they're not an issue. They don't need to figure out. Okay, so we'll keep an eye on uh, who is doing what and to whom. Was that a little stumble, Shea, for one of the Mazdas coming out of the pits here? 
It was. The number 77 Mazda was stopped briefly at the pit exit. It did manage to get moving, but it took long enough that people were actually able to take out their phones and send me a text message to tell (laughs) me that the 77 Mazda was not moving at the pit exit. Uh, That intel coming from Corvette Racing's pit box. And by the way, we were talking about being cruel to the rookies, saying, here, go on out, go play, go have fun. Uh, Corvette has sort of done that. Nick Katzberg and Marcel Fessler back in the Corvette Racing Organization in the three and the four Corvettes, respectively. Those two cars with the two drivers that haven't driven the cars in a race since January, they did just have a test here at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. I believe it was last week. So they are familiar with the track, but when it's dark, oh, it's a very different place. Uh, And it is very dark here as we will continue uh, to mention 98.1 FM around the circuit, around the world on RS2. That's the hub of IMSA radio. Just a little bit of uh, of moisture in the air in terms of the humidity and that is reflecting uh, some that thick air that fat air as the drag racing contingent would call it just reflecting a little bit of the light from the light tower that shines from turn five down to turn six a little bit of mist almost hanging in the air uh, this evening and that is just the amount of moisture 87% humidity at the moment with the air temp at 21 degrees Celsius track temp holding steady at 28 Celsius at the moment and very very dark indeed at various parts of the circuit so we are well into the time that we'd be racing on Saturday remember the main race is on Saturday at half 12 before that actually we'll be starting our Michelin countdown to to green just after midday on Saturday and Tony Menard from uh, Michelin will be joining us uh, in that we'll have our Porsche keys to the race of course as well so what are we looking for here do we think we're going to get any uh, major quick times or is this Jeremy Shaw just really for most of the teams and drivers going to be a little bit of a voyage of discovery yeah no I mean you know this is this is a race no question about it uh, you know um, time's qualifying qualifying uh, tomorrow afternoon isn't it so uh, time's qualifying yeah 12.30 tomorrow um, so you know this this is pure race preparation now and, and, and as we just talked about you know with a, a full third of the race running after dark after the sun has set uh, even more important than usual with this much later start this year that we Petit Le Mans, then uh, you know it becomes all the more critical and you know very 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 important section this this no question about it by far the most important session of the weekend the race all of the teams not all of the drivers because as I say some of them will have uh, com- completed their stints particularly the, the classes before it gets dark but for everybody else yeah crucial only 31 cars though jeremy is it only it's a fine entry and as i said before we'll celebrate that but a little less traffic than perhaps we've seen at uh, motul petit le Mans in in past years but i'm actually i'm i'm quite uh i'm quite excited by that in some respects because it will give the faster cars a chance to pick their way through a little bit more. Yeah, totally. I mean, there, there were 34 cars here last year. Um, so, you know, yeah, a few, 
this year. Yeah, actually, I mean, look, you, you know my, uh, my take on this. Uh, quality over quantity every single time, not even close in my book. And uh, 31 cars is plenty. There's 37 here in 2018. So, certainly one of the smaller entries we've had here for a while, but uh, quality-wise, it's sensational. Um, you, you don't count anybody out in any of the classes. And you know, having fewer cars out on the racetrack just means there's, there's a lesser propensity for full cautions, which makes for, for a better race ultimately in any case. Yeah, and um, certainly when we had the six-hour race here early in the year, we had a long two and a half, three hours, I think, in the middle of that where we had green and just being able to see the relative pace of the cars. And if it's only, you know, a tenth or two tenths a lap, well, on a long run, of course, that begins to develop into an advantage. And that's that's what I want to see. Love that. Fabulous, uh, fabulous opportunity. If anyone is near turn one, by the way, keep an eye open for the 74. That's the AMG GT3, uh, the uh, Riley car and Who's behind the wheel of that at the moment? Uh, I think it is Gar Robinson. Yes, it is for Riley Motorsport. Trailing the front into turn one and the front left-hand corner sparking away with glowing red brake rotors as well. Here a photographer, fabulous opportunity there for that 74 car. Next time it comes around and this is just joyous we've got at the moment uh, let's see one two three four five cars I reckon only in the pits out of the 31 at the moment so 26 cars out on the track if you are away from the track and listening to us on IMSA radio if you uh, go to the video page and there isn't any video for this session but there will be for the sessions tomorrow uh, and for Saturday uh, even if the video isn't available for you because you're in the States on Saturday we do have our live timing uh, page as well but you can get there directly by going to uh, timing.radioshow.limited and you will see our IMSA timing and strategy pages there so you can follow along throughout the whole at 10 hours of the race tomorrow. Uh, sorry, Saturday. Excuse me. So let's have a look at some of these times. 1.10.6 for Pipo Durrani. Well, we know Pipo does some of his best work in the dark. He's a very quick driver indeed. So Durrani from Dan Cameron by nearly four tenths of a second. But they're both under 1.11. It is a 1.11. Point zero for Renge van der Zander in the I promise you it is glossy black you might not be able to see it in the dark number 10 that's a championship leading car in third position Scott Dixon in with Renge and Ryan Briscoe this weekend so their third driver uh, hardly going to be slowing them down Fred Matavecki's just gone to the top of GT Le Mans with the Porsche GT 911 RSR 19 that's the number 911 car his time is 17, 1 minute 17.4. And at the top of GT Daytona, it is the 57 Heinrichshire Racing with Kerb Agagianian, Trent Hinman in the 57 
uh, Acura NSX with a 121.2, which he's just improved to that 122.247. At 121.247, excuse me, last time around. Remember, the times count for nothing except to be interesting to us. We will qualify tomorrow in the usual sessions of 15 minutes for GTD, GT Le Mans, and then both prototype categories out together. Let's hope this is nice and clean. Zach Robichon going through there for Faf Motorsports and their Porsche. And uh, with a bit of luck, we should be able to go to share with a VP Racing Fuel pit and paddock report in a moment or two. Shea, how are you doing? Have you got a guest there? Um, it says not on this call yet, but I am trying to oh, okay. just dial shout up. in. No, just shout up. That's fine. Sorry. I thought I heard an answer there in the background. I'll keep my ears peeled, but I'll let you let me know. Glowing exhaust, glowing brake rotors, bright headlights, colourful cars with their marker lamps on. Oh, turn five, a little bit of a problem. For the number four Corvette of Marcel Fesler, just run a little bit wide and put the right-hand side Michelins into the dirt there. We've all done that. Some of us have um, gone a bit further into that gravel trap than Marcel did there. Was following his teammate, actually. Did he get into the gravel? Oh, barely. Barely. It's not even track limits there. He's fine. He runs on. Completes the uh, lap. Mm, well over the curve, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he just went over the curb. <laughs> did I? Did I notice? And I, I should have looked at this in the daylight. Next time we have a chance to see turn two, Jeremy, have a look at the inside of turn two. There appears to be more curb, at, or more hard standing, and curb at turn two. It used to just be a little curb on the right hand side. It looks like there's something behind where the curb used to be there. Now, I, I, I weren't meant to mention that earlier on, and then somebody fell off or something certainly happened. So keep an eye open for that, because uh, it does just seem to be a little more painted surface there uh, behind the curb from what I remember even a month ago. Which obviously means people will use it, of course. Ah, big rumble strip there. Thank you to our NASCAR Productions team and our camera operators. Yeah, big rumble strip on the inside of that curb there. But it's, uh, it's very uh, highly ribbed and bright yellow as well. I, I don't remember that being quite that way down through the S's gaggle of cars different coloured headlights GTD's running with the yellow headlights just so the there is some difference between them and the faster GT Le Mans cars Love this, that does help I love the, this the GTD drivers. If they can see, look in their mirrors, if they see the, uh, the yellow headlights, they know it's a, a GTD car, not a car that is, or should be at least, significantly faster than them. 
Uh, yes, very good point. Just remind me uh, the of the old days at the Mans when all of the GT cars had yellow headlights, um, which mirrored, of course, the regulations in France in those days where uh, yellow headlights were the low and uh, all of the GT cars had to have those yellow tinted headlights. The, the issue became, as headlights got progressively better, was that the yellow tints didn't work very well with some of the, the bulbs. But nowadays, most everybody is yeah, using... They don't really have bulbs anymore, do they? No, all LEDs now, which is an extraordinary, yeah. really extraordinary advancement in technology. And if you've, if you've never driven a car, there's a lot of things about cars today, new cars today, that slightly frustrate me as somebody who enjoys driving cars. But there's also a few things that I really think have been a massive, massive uh, benefit. And LED lights, particularly intelligent LED lights that you just set and leave and they go on to main beam on their own. And if there's something in front of you, they shutter off the bit where the car's in front of you. If you drive... Um, one of these cars with active LED lights now and there's a little bit of fog out there and you can see what all the sensors are doing and how they shutter off part of the light or if somebody's coming the other way or if you catch up to them, particularly a motorbike is worth the price of admission on its own because it cuts out the little bit where the motorbike is and shines either side of it and I have no clue how it does that, I don't need to know how it does it, I just giggle. Uh, every time that it does it and it's linked with the GPS so it turns around corners and all this kind of thing and, and that I do think is uh, is something quite extraordinary because you like I Jeremy will remember the days when you might as well have had a miner's helmet on or a candle in front of the car uh, and everybody was trying to put extra lights to do road rallies the old CBA Oscars and Oscar Plus that you used to tack on the front of your car when you were out yeah. on the country lanes doing the road rallies Absolutely right. Yeah, we used to spend uh, hours setting up the lights, and <laughs> even when we did the Wilhar 24 hours at, at Stetson. Oh, now you're talking. That's 40 years ago now. For goodness sake. No way. Uh, you know, remember you know, making sure we had the lights set up there. It wasn't just a, a five-minute job by any means. No. And how nowadays it's, you know, it's you're right. The lights are so good. That's just incredible. You have the lights, some pointing straight ahead of you, and then some out to the curb, so you could see the apices of the corner. 55 miles to go. Yeah, crisscross. Yeah. A lot of people favoured that, didn't they? Wow. That's a great, good lap there for uh, Mikkel Jensen in the, in the Carnival 8. That's the uh, Tamos bought by Starworks, Orica, LMP2 car. Fifth fastest overall at the moment. A 111.2. That's. Um, that's only three quarters of a second away from the fastest time of all in this session so far, set by Renge van der Zander. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. It's a Danish driver. He's got a lot of experience in Europe, 25 years of age now. He's a, uh, a champion last year in the LMP3 category of the European Le Mans series. Uh, before that, he's, he's you know, raced uh, GT, GT, GT and LMP3 cars for the last four or five years. Before that, started off in the... Uh, the, the old ADAC Formula Masters series, I think that was the last year of that in 2014. That's the, what was effectively the old Formula BMW from back in the day. And then did some F3, but boy, he's uh, he's really taken to this track on his first visit to Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, Michael Jensen in Canberra 8. It's Jeremy Shaw, it's John Hindorf, and 
Shear Adam as well. As we are in through the first 15 minutes already. And race cars at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta in the dark for FP3, wherever you are in the world, particularly if you're staying up late. There it is, uh, almost one o'clock in Europe. In the UK, rather, nearly two o'clock in Europe. But I know there will be some of the media staff for some of the teams at various places who can't get to the track in these strange times who will be listening in. And thank you for all your hard work in feeding information to us. Thank goodness for social media and modern telecommunications not sure how we would have done this back in the old day in fact I don't think we would have been able to to be quite honest through turn one for the number 10 Ryan Briscoe aboard that car one ten five. the quickest for that car by Renga Ryan's just taken it over and sets off in his first flying lap through the S's now yeah and this number 10 car it always seems to go well does it not at night time good point um um, so uh, that's certainly going to be a, a car to watch. Well, it's always a car to watch. You know, it's a championship leader, for goodness sake. But uh, you know, they, I think you know they're coming in here with a with a good head of steam and oh, a really, really and spin for Ryan Briscoe, just as oh. Jeremy was saying how well it goes. Uh, <laughs> that is the curse of the commentator, of course. Uh, coming through between turn six and seven, but he held on to it. Screech of Michelin rubber. Now running down the back, the long back straight through eight, the two little kinks of eight and nine, and down into ten. It was on his own, yeah. and it just yeah. just clipped the outside curb between six and seven. Does a complete 360. Oh. Yeah, no, just just carried a bit too much speed into the corner. I mean, cold tires, wasn't it? Just Ooh. come out of the pits. Yeah, good point. And uh, just uh, just trying to carry a bit too much speed. Through through turn six there and into seven here it does a kind of a dab of the brakes into into six but not not heavily on the brakes it's after you get out if you get out of turn six that's where you really jump on the brakes super hard for seven so had a little right, wiggle did, yeah little think, wiggle yeah I think it did just just clip that intake curb as well didn't you John but yeah uh, yeah you know it, it, fine no harm no foul and you know he's learned now for the race how much speed he can carry. Uh, at night time when he comes out of the pits which is going to be very critical information back to the scene of the Saturday crime night. now and this time a little more circumstance uh, turn six and turn seven actually turn seven very important corner because of course it goes onto that long albeit slightly curving back straight but turn six jeremy is another corner that can easily suck you in at uh, Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. There's actually quite a lot of banking, quite a lot of camber to the inside there. And you can take an, a, a, a much more speed through it than it first looks when you go around there the first time. Yeah, true. Uh, it's, it's just when, if you get if you miss that little little bit of a bond, it's not not an awful lot of camber there, but you're right, there is, and it does help hugely. But if you just get outside of that camber, yeah. then it, it becomes even more difficult to get that corner right. I mean, that's one of the great great things about this racetrack. You know, it's only 2.54 miles. I mean, it's it's one of the quickest tracks that we go to on the circuit. The average speed in qualifying last year over 133 and a half miles now. That's the wow. average speed around this racetrack so it is super super fast and, and just a brilliant challenge for the drivers Jeremy Shaw 
who joins me, John Hindorf, in the Hagney Global Broadcast Centre. Shea Adam trawling the pits and paddock for us for information. Quite uh, a few of the drivers, a few of the teams rather, may not be using all of their drivers tonight. I suppose it might depend on who they feel will be finishing the race off. It was very dark already at 6.30 and this race will be running until 8.40 local time. Say what? Uh, sorry, it will be running till 10.40 local yeah. time. Um, so much later than normal. <laughs> I, I, I'm snickering there because that's one of the... Uh uh, Acura's following that number 10 car into the pit lane. This was no contact this time, good to see. Yeah, indeed so. It is the 7 and the 10 coming in together. You've uh, lost the sign. Yeah, for people to Rani. I did mention he does his good work in the dark for the Red Mike yep. Whelan Engineering team. Uh, I'm sure Ryan Briscoe got a heck of a shock there because it was he who was in the 10 when he got nailed by... It was Juan Montoya, wasn't it? It was. Although he... Got, uh, extraordinarily... And I still don't quite understand this. It was Briscoe that, that got the uh, got the penalty, wasn't it? No. No, Montoya got a penalty for sure. Did he get the penalty for that? I, th I think Briscoe yeah. got the penalty for that because wasn't Nicole on Twitter going bonkers about it? Uh, um, I may I have misremembered. So. I chart. may have misremembered that. I'm sure that woke uh, Ryan up when he saw another set of headlights right behind him. No, no, not again. Uh, so people quickest then with a 10-4. That's uh, pulled out a whole tenth of a second on Renge von der Sander, who's just gone back out again in the number 10. So that was a quick in and out. J-Bomb, Jonathan Bomarito from Mazda, out in the 55 car. That's the dark red car. It'll look black in the darkness, that car if you're trackside listening on 98.1. With Sebastian Baudet in the dark grey Mustang sampling JDC Miller car in the pits at the moment in fourth. Sebastian, uh, sorry, uh, Simon Pagenaud, Sebastian, where would I get that from? Is in the second of the Team Penske cars, the six. That is the one that is out on the track at the moment. Quite relaxed yeah, at the maybe moment. Maybe you're right, maybe they do both get a penalty. I'm, I'm, pr I'm pretty certain that, that Ryan got the penalty for that incident uh, and it was something else that Montoya on Villander well remembered here well remembered see that's why that's where we have a younger brain was, was that was that at pretty much the same time then no no that was right uh, at the end of the race that was at the end of the race yeah yeah Right at the end of the race. Yeah, so I think why, why did why did number ten car get a penalty? Get the penalty? Uh, for, apparently for brake testing. Being run into. Yeah. What? Uh, call, uh, incident oh. responsibility. It was called incident responsibility on the really? number ten going into the pits. Extraordinary. Ah, well, that was the number no, ten that I ran it. Wasn't remember. it the number ten that ran into the back of the Acura though? Yes. Oh, was it? Yes. So it was oh, the other. Okay, it fine, was the sorry. other way around. Yes. But it was the number ten that ran <laughs> in the back of the. Beg your pardon. Yes. Beg, sorry. Beg your sorry, I should have. Um, Hold on. 
I, I got, listen, I, I, well, it takes I me a wee bit of time. I ten minutes ago. Yeah, don't we? You can't remember what? If I, um, I <laughs> Durrani, one, one of several drivers in the field having a birthday this week, turned 27 on the birthday of this week. Uh, had a birthday last weekend. I did, as did uh, Jakub Spikowski. Uh, also, Carl Carl Kirk was got the birthday, actually. Uh, Corey Lewis's birthday is on Saturday, as is Andrew Balzan. And Bill Oblin had a birthday as well, so celebrating his win at Charlotte last weekend. With, uh, he was another birthday boy on Monday. Another year younger. It doesn't matter for Bill, does it? It's just, it's just another year, another set of race wins as far as Bill Power is concerned. Down towards Turn 1, the number 30 is the Hardpoint Racing Audi with the uh, AudiTireCenter.com sponsorship again this weekend. Down through the S's. Hardpoint extending their commitment to IMSA, running a GT3 and a GT4 car. GT3 and GT Daytona, of course. GT4 in the Michelin Pilot Challenge in the GS category. So they're not running that car this weekend? No, correct. Uh, but but they've, they've just announced this week, or yesterday or today, that they're, they're moving into a new shop uh, imminently at, uh, at the uh, VIR technolo Motorsport Technology Park. That's... That was interesting, and another, again cool. another, yeah, another really good commitment there for that team. You know, they're cementing their future and having a brand new shop at the uh, at the racetrack. Uh, just that's another improvement from Renga van der Zander last time around. Yeah. One ten three two four, so he's stretched out to a whole point one four two of a second now. So <laughs> he's just added a. Uh, or subtracted rather should I say a little bit of time into the pit lane for the number 25 BMW that's the red car with Matul on the side and the grey striping and that has been brought into uh, the pit at the moment by it's Bruno Spengler behind the wheel of that car Jesse Kron Scandinavian driver behind the wheel of the 24 which remains out Spengler comes to a halt in the pit lane and is getting out of the car. It's Renger van der Zander in the black number 10 then with the fastest time of the evening. 110.3, 110.44, the second best Cadillac. Oh, people to running. In fact, it's just jumped to the lead in that number 31 with a 110.1. So almost exactly the deficit that he had to Renger, he now puts on him. 0.149 of a second. Shea had Adam with some stats and facts in our VP Racing Fuel pit lane report on Bruno Spengler, everyone's favorite Canadian. Hey, uh, I won't tell that to Fast. They might be mildly offended by that. But Bruno Spengler is kind of an anomaly as far as drivers go and particularly for racing at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. He was part of the winning duo at the six-hour race just over a month ago with Ponte Felipe. But I don't think Bruno's ever actually raced in Petit Le Mans. So he's a race winner at this track wow. without ever having driven in the dark in NIMSA race. Very good. 
Very good. It's extraordinary when these little things pop up, isn't it? Uh, when you realise that somebody who seems to have been around for such a long time and done so many races like Bruno Spengler hasn't competed at Motul Petit Le Mans. I was talking on, we were talking on Wednesday about Jensen Button, who's going to come and do some GT racing in a McLaren in his own team, actually. Bob Neville runs the uh, JB racing team in British GT, and he's going to race at Silverstone. Uh, this weekend and I looked at all of his Formula 1 results and he's never been on the podium at Silverstone in Formula 1 and oh Jensen Button it's just one of those again it's one of those odd things so I looked back and the last time that Jensen was on the podium uh, was when he was doing British F3 in 19 I think 1999 if I remember rightly and in those days, British F3 supported British uh, British GT, so he's actually come full circle, which is, which is really interesting. But Jensen Button, all of his race wins, how well he did, won the World Championship, of course, for Braun, and never has stood on an F1 podium at Silverstone. Good quiz question. Uh, up into... Spengler, you know, shape pointing out there. Of course, you know, th this at least coming into this race is one of the few tracks on, on which he has competed before. Uh, prior to this season, Bruno's uh, you know, the only races he'd done were, were Daytona uh, on uh, on on three occasions, and and once at uh, Sebring. That was it. So, you know, he's he's at least now uh, coming back to a race track for the for the first time. So he'll be, and particularly having uh, got the win here with Condi Felipe last time out, he'll be pretty confident going into Saturday's race. Yeah, true. And uh, we'll go back to Shea in just a moment for a VP Racing Fuel pit and paddock update. Shea, what have you got for us? I just received a text message from one Mr. Johnny Knotts, who is the lead pit lane official, and there is a special guest working out on the pit lane tonight. He <laughs> has previously parked trucks as Johnny's <laughs> assistant. Mr. John Doonan is out on the pit lane learning how to be a pit official for this night session. And to be honest, I am insanely jealous because there is no place better in the world than to be on that pit lane during night practice. So, John, if you can hear us, enjoy every second of it. Uh, for those that don't know, John Donan is the uh, president of IMSA and formerly, of course, inextricably linked with the Mazda programme as the man at the head of uh, Mazda Speed in the US. Took over earlier in, two uh, in 2020. What a time to take over for John, but he's taken the challenge, which I suspect has been slightly more of a challenge than even he expected given the unusual circumstances not to say unique circumstances of 2020 for any uh, any business and particularly for any sports business 63 weather tech ferrari just comes under the fox factory bridge and dives down to the final corner as the top four in DPI in the pitch. We'll give you a rundown of times uh, just to keep you up to date with what's going on, particularly those of you trackside on 98.1 Road Atlanta FM. Starting GTD, where 
It's the Invasa Sullivan, number 14, Lexus. What a run of form they've had recently. Then Balzan in second place. Alessandro Balzan, he just gets called Balzan by everybody, so don't think that I've been disrespectful there. He's second in that Scuderia Corsa, WeatherTech number 63, Ferrari. Which reminds me, you talk, talk about the uh, the uh, Lexus there, you talk about car number 14, number 12, we talked about this more uh, in the first, well, the second session, I guess, wasn't it? First session we covered, but the second session of the day. Number 12 car completed only, I think, 11 laps during that session. Everybody else did, uh, I think, at least 30. Uh, it was a, a fuel system problem of some sort. They couldn't, they weren't really, couldn't quite figure it out. Carl Kirkwood was driving the car at the time, making his debut, of course, in uh, this championship. Uh, and there was just a, the car kind of hiccuped and he got a call right away from the pit, from the pit box saying, yeah, we can see something's amiss, bring it in. And they tried to diagnose it during the session, weren't able to, but they think it's something to do with the fuel system. And hopefully that car uh, is ready to run again this evening. Has it been out on track? Yes, it has already yes. completed 22 laps. So uh, for Carl Kirkwood, this is a pretty steep learning curve. He'd done about, I think, I think he's done about 15 or 20 laps today. Uh, but prior to that, he, he got maybe half a dozen or so laps in a test at Charlotte a few weeks ago before the, the Roval event. Uh, that was his sort of initiation to a GT car. Um, and uh, clearly he's got, got himself up to speed very, very quickly. So very impressive once again for Carl Kirkwood, the youngster from Jupiter in Florida. He will celebrate his uh, 22nd birthday next week. Just a quick note for all Aston Martin fans, particularly Sarah Rigby, who, despite having to be at work at 8 o'clock in the morning, at nearly 10 minutes past one in the UK, is still listening in. Darren Turner back out the pits, lapping very rapidly. Last time, actually last time but one now around, was his fastest lap, 121.540 in the heart of racing. Aston Martin Vantage GT3, great result for them just under a week or go. Rather ran under the radar a little bit, Jeremy, for uh, Ian James and Roman De Angelis. Did, we didn't really need to call their name very much. They kept out of trouble and they came home with an excellent finish up at Charlotte. Yeah, it's been a really good uh, good run by that team and just getting you know, getting better and better, getting, you know, moving towards the front. They were, they were uh, uh, eighth at, uh, at Virginia and then... Uh, what was the next race after that was was here, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, they were they were sixth here, then fourth, uh, and as you say, on, and then on the podium last time out, fourth, yeah, fourth a bit higher than on the podium last time out. So that trend is going in the right direction. If uh, they're just getting better and better and really doing a nice job, just the whole team is gelling now, and they're you know, well into the swing of it, just at the critical part of the season. Lovely to see you talk about gelling. Lovely to see two drivers, uh, very much at uh, opposite ends of their career spectrum with Ian James who's been around seemingly forever has a huge amount of experience and the young charger Roman De Angelis those two paired together uh, in that car they've added Darren Turner who helped develop that car for Aston Martin of course so not not exactly an unknown quantity uh, for behind the wheel of the car anyway Darren will be refreshing his memory uh, from racing here at uh, at Road Atlanta, at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta in the past. But so important that Ian and Roman have, have got 
that relationship now, Jeremy. And you can see how that's developed through the season. Uh, and, and with the confidence that they've got in the car, because that car's been new to them this year as well, uh, it really does seem to work. And I'm very pleased for Heart of Racing and the 23 team because they do such great work in raising money for a very worthy cause. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, they've been doing this for a long, long time, raising money for uh, your worthy children's causes uh, at the hospital there, particularly up in Seattle. But uh, it's, it's, it's a remarkable program. And, you know, they, they, for, for quite a few years, I guess not since the Alex Job days uh, with the Porsche, have they run a full season. Not been quite a full season this year, but close to it. And they are, you know, it's a wonderful addition to have that, that team, that, that Heart of Racing team name back in the IMSS World Technical Championship. And if you haven't seen it, by the way, about a month ago now, they released uh, a, a movie about what they do on all of your favourite streaming video sites. If you uh, use your browser to look for Heart of Racing uh, and look at videos, you'll find it. How and what they do with the Seattle Children's uh, Hospital they specialise up there in uh, heart disease and they have raised literally millions of dollars. Uh, literally millions of dollars down through the years for that very good cause indeed and will continue to do so. Just seeing if we can... Just look at the lap times. Go ahead, Jeremy. Me, John, big no, no, go ahead. Just look at the lap times in GT Daytona, the fastest time in this session set by Jack Hawksworth in the Lexus car number 14 uh, at a 1 minute 20.5 13th position in the class at the moment uh, was set by uh, has been set by Spencer Pompelli actually in the Magnus GRT Lamborghini car number 44 it was quickest this morning but I won 21.6 so that's 1.1 seconds covering the entire field of GTD yeah. Oh, that's kind of what we've come to expect, frankly. Yeah. It really cool, is. So, in the cars at the moment, Juan Montoya for Acura Team Penske. He's out at the moment. Uh, Oli Pla is in the pits for Mazda. Sebastian Bordier in the pits for Mustang Sampling, but out. Jonathan Bomarito for the 55 Mazda. Ricky Taylor for the number seven Acura Team Penske. Scott Dixon, uh, that's the first time I think I've seen his name against the Cunningham and Alton Cadillac. I didn't see him in the last one, uh, last session. He may have been out in the first session, but good to get him out in the darkness. And uh, he'll be getting himself back up to pace. Member was part of, uh, has been part of IMSA number of occasions in the past thoroughly enjoys his sports car racing and still very much in the driver's seat for the IndyCar Championship which has one race to go and that will be on the streets of St. Pete's uh, is, that's not next weekend but the week after yeah next weekend. next weekend yeah. yeah next weekend yeah going yeah. through sixth championship uh, Dixie and still got a pretty handy lead going into that final race with um, Joseph Newgarden trying to uh, to let down. He's done a good job in the last few races, actually, Newgarden. In, in. But it's going to be a, a fun weekend, I think, in in St. Pete next weekend. So I'm so pleased they were able to, to get that, that race back on again because mm. it looked like it, it might not even happen at all. But um, yeah, good 30, news for everybody who bought tickets for the original. 
Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, quite. absolutely. It's going to be a limited number of fans next weekend, but at least uh, they are going to have some people there. 32 point edge, by the way, Dixon has over Newgarden going to that final race of the season. Which was and no, uh, This year, unlike in the past, no yes. double points finale. Point. Yeah, I, I was so over really, 100 really points. Dixon just needs a, a good solid finish. Over 100 yeah. points, not so very long ago, but Dixie has um, uncharacteristically struggled in qualifying. He has had a bit of bad luck but uh, struggled in qualifying and, and hasn't been able to vastly improve his position. They've tried a few tricky tactics there. Really looking forward to that yeah. and great to see. Yeah. I mean, isn't it fantastic though that here's a guy on literally with one hand on the trophy of another title in IndyCar and here he is doing sports car uh, racing yeah. the week before the championship decider. And by the way, whilst we're talking about IndyCar uh, Felix Rosenquist leaving Ganassi uh, that one came as a bit of a shock and we're still waiting to find out what happens with uh, Oliver Askew as well and what future he might have in uh, in IndyCar um, I, did I read somewhere that he's still a gold rated driver if you wanted to come and do some sports car racing just saying for anybody in the IMSA paddock who might be thinking about that for next year yeah Actually, he's, he's going to be here on Saturday. Uh, he's going to be at the racetrack on Saturday, as Oliver Askew. Yeah, that was a, a, a major shock for me. I mean, a year ago, that uh, the uh, Smith-Beardson with McLaren and Arrow and all that stuff, all that stuff, they were saying, you know, building for the future, blah, 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 blah. Well, clearly that was BS, because I think Askew has done a really good job he this has? season. Um, you know, he's been struggling the last few races because he hasn't been well, but the first half of the season, there was wasn't much to choose between he, he and, and Palo or War or Pace and I think that's pretty disingenuous for that team to boot him out even before well I think he's going to drive next weekend I think he has been I think he's got final clearance he's actually waiting for a final clearance from the uh, IndyCar medical doctor uh, medical team but he's got approval from his own doctors so hopefully he'll drive next weekend where he's at uh, and Shea Adam has already gone to the stats. And did I make up the fact that Oliver Askew, Shea, is a, a silver-rated driver as far as um, of driver rating is concerned? He's silver. So yeah, get ready, Oliver, because your phone's about to start ringing and come on over to sports cars, man. <laughs> he, he might not hold on to that at the end of this season when they come out again in December. But currently... No, they've frozen them. They've frozen the ratings for 2020. Oh, yeah, of course they have. Yeah. Absolutely right. He's a talent. He's, 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 he is one of the most talented, naturally gifted guys I've, I've seen in quite a while. So I don't think it'd be too long. By the way, you're talking about Dixie having a 100-point-plus lead. Yeah, it was 117 points yeah. that Dixie had over New Garden just five races ago. Uh, and now we're uh, 30, just 32 going into the final weekend. Time's beginning to uh, drop away a little bit as people are settling into what appear to be race runs. But this that is a great idea because we'll be racing at this time on Saturday night. Felipe Albuquerque at the moment behind the wheel of the wheel and engineering racing Cadillac. He's already confirmed as a champion in the European Le Mans series after a, another fantastic race at Monza last weekend where he and uh, Phil Hansen, young British driver, uh, amateur driver, uh, have clinched the championship in the driver's standings before they even go to the final round which uh, may or may not be in Portugal at uh, Estoril may or may not 
Uh, as the Portugal is, uh, oh, is, is closing down again, and they've um, they've just announced new regulations yesterday, if memory serves. Might have actually been Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. That was yesterday, wasn't it? Um, about how many people can gather together, and uh, it certainly seems if it happens, it'll have to be behind closed doors. But it's whether they think a paddock full of people is the same as a wedding ceremony or a discotheque. I think they call them clubs now, actually, rather than discotheques. But I'm uh, showing my age there, perhaps, just a, uh, a little bit. ELMS and WEC uh, champ this year. Uh, Bahrain still to come for the WEC. Uh, that's a couple of weeks hence as well. Been a fabulous year for Philippe there and Philip Hansen and United Autosports, who are going back into GT racing where they started with a couple of McLarens GT4s just turned up uh, today and of course the announcement already that they plan to run a couple of LMP3s at the Rolex 24 hours of Daytona next year so United looking at another busy year they've got experience of coming to the Rolex of course having uh, brought Paul DeResta and uh, Fernando Alonso. Who was the other guy? Who was the, who was the other guy? Uh, it's, he, he was he was just getting a test. The other guy was just getting a test for Renault uh, the yesterday, oh, okay. I believe. He was doing a filming day. This Alonso character. Um, but they also had someone named after a Star Wars character, didn't they? Did they? I think they had um, Phil Hansen and um, Lando Calrissian, maybe. <laughs> yes, Lando Norris. That's right. <laughs> They've had a decent driver lineups every time they've turned up, and uh, the bright orange, the McLaren orange uh, GT4s looked uh, a picture. They'll be testing those, giving them a shakedown next week, according to Richard Dean. And uh, not too far away from home base uh, for me, so I think, weather permitting, might be having a little look at that. I haven't seen the GT4 up close yet. And yes, I will be taking race suit, boots, helmet, underwear and <laughs> international FIA licence. Hey, you never know. You never know. If somebody doesn't turn up, you know, if Zach's busy and he can't shake the cars down, then, you know, gentleman driver, that's, you know, that's exactly who they're built for, isn't it? Got to be done. Uh, 41 minutes to go. Uh, Dixon in the pits, Ricky Taylor in the pits, J-Bomb in the pits, Albuquerque still turning laps in GT Le Mans, Nick Tandy's behind the wheel of the Porsche number 911, barely got any ring at all uh, last weekend uh, at an oval, which of course is his speciality, having started on short ovals in mini stocks as a teenager in the UK. Antonio Garcia is in the Corvette number three. Lawrence Vanto in the 912 Porsche. Augusto Farfus in the 24 BMW. Although he, of course, has also been driving Aston Martins over in Europe. Tom Milner for Corvette number four and Conor De Filippi for the 25 BMW. It's Hawksworth uh, in the pits, although that Ian Vassar Sullivan Lexus has the best time this evening ahead of the Wright Motorsports Porsche. What a, again, there's another team, Jeremy, who have uh, hit form uh, after the restart and the last few races, Wright Motorsports have started to get a little bit of momentum going. 
Yeah, very much so. You're absolutely right there. Yeah, they've had uh, three consecutive podium finishes, a third, a third uh, at, uh, here at Michigan Raceway at Mid-Ohio, and then a second place last time out at Charlotte. So, yeah, uh, it's been a really good run for them. And Jan Halen joining that team this weekend to as a third driver, and he's just uh, you know, second quickest, as you say here. I mean, just Nat's whisker went 0-4-6 off the fastest time, and it did set that time. Andrew Davis is currently in the Team Hardpoint Audi, which sits in third, although that car is in the pit lane as well. Good run. Very nice run for those guys. And again, he's only another tenth further back. Jeff Westfall's getting a few laps for Scuderia Corsa in the uh, WeatherTech car. And in fact, as I say that, Andrew Davis has just gone back out again, by the way. Bill Oblitz in the uh, going out in the Turner Motorsport BMW. Super Mario Farmbacker is in the pit lane in the sixth place, number 86, accurate. Corey Lewis is circulating in the Lamborghini for Paul Miller Racing, the 48 car. The other Porsche, the Faf Motorsports car, has got Dennis Olsen, the Porsche young driver, uh, in behind the wheel of that. And he's just moved up. Darren Turner has just moved up with a 120.8 6-1 to fifth position. Mm. The Dazzle is back in form there. That'll give him a bit of confidence. Been doing a... And I don't, I don't know how easy or difficult this is to do, but, you know, Darren, if you asked him to go and race a supermarket trolley at the weekend and he wasn't working, he'd go and do it. But he's been jumping in and out of different cars, hasn't done a full season this year. So some GT3, some GT4... Some GT Le Mans racing was at the Nürburgring a couple of three weeks ago with that new GT8R that we were talking about uh, earlier on, that uh, development for what has now become a very important class at the Nürburgring, SP8T, uh, and had a decent run in that. Now back in the regular GT3 car, running the GT Daytona spec here for Harter Racing and up into uh, fifth position, just a tenth away from fourth, which is a tenth away from third, which is a tenth away from second, which is half a tenth away from the lead. That's how tight it is at the top of GT Daytona. Saturday night street fight, although we might be on a road course, certainly for the street cars, it will be pretty much bare knuckle for 10 hours here on Saturday at Michelin. Raceway Road, Atlanta. In GTLM, it's Porsche with Tandy in the 911 from Garcia in the 3 for Corvette, for Vanto in the 912 for Porsche, from Farfus in the 24, that's your top four. LMP2, uh, four LMP2s this weekend, and Jopf United for Tower Motorsports by Starworks. He is behind the wheel of the lead car with the 111, 268. It is Colin Brown in second place. He's out on the track in the mighty 38 for Performance Tech. Then Patrick Kelly for PR1. Just, just improved on that last lap, John. Thank Colin you. Brown, yeah. Uh, yes, he did. To a 1.12.3. Then Patrick Kelly for PR1 Matheson. Uh, and then Kuber Smikowski for Inter Europol. Jakub or Kuber uh, Smikowski for Inter Europol. 51 car, about three tenths away, but that's a steep learning curve for those guys having come over here 
to give this race a run. And in DPI, it's still 31 Cadillac. And it's Albuquerque behind the wheel of that at the moment. The best time for that car, 1101. A couple of seconds or so away from that at the moment with everybody just easing their pace with still over 35 minutes remaining. Scott Dixon's just gone out again in the Cadillac number 10, the championship leading car. It's uh, Alexander Rossi, another uh, IndyCar refugee. Not had the best of years as Alex this year. Bit of an uh, inconsistent year. We've got a red flag for a car in the gravel. And the car in question is Kubesh Murkowski. Oh, you just talking about it. Yeah, so you've cursed somebody. Now I have as well. That's one each. Uh, I think he's down at the bottom of turn 10. Yeah. Uh, and he's hit the gravel beach down there. So it will be... I, th I think it was... Yeah, it is. It's the, it looks to me, Jeremy, to have been the lot up coming in there and he's arrived sideways, stroke backwards. And it's the classic turn 10 ear incident. And whether he got a little helping hand down there, I can't tell you because I was too busy reading down the times. But he's left his lights on, which is sensible, so people can see there's somebody in the, the gravel. He hasn't tried to restart it, but he's gone in sort of sideways if the marks in the gravel are anything to go by. There is a snatch vehicle just to his left, to driver's right, coming down at the bottom of the hill. And they have very long tow ropes, so they don't have to go into the gravel. Now, in fairness, Cuba's not that far away from the edge of the track. I don't think it'll take uh, too much to get him out of there. And, in fact, even as I say that, EMR... IMSA Chevy safety truck, the 03, is already there. Uh, thank you to all of our safety workers, by the way. Uh, and in Rescue 5, it's Pat, Mike and Steve. Again, they're tuned in on 98.1. And I'm sure all of our other rescue teams are as well. We hope you have absolutely nothing to do this weekend and have a very boring time. And they're not that I say that with much love to all of them. Thank you so much to uh, all of our volunteers, whether they're in the medical centre, track, uh, track services, or indeed the guys who are, have been dispatched to do a bit of rescue and recovery there from the AMR safety truck. A little bit of gravel to uh, get sorted out as well on the track as Cuba is trying to restart the... Gibson engine on that LMP2, the pride of Repton in Derbyshire, that V8. You're probably better off actually uh, relying on a tow back uh, over the top of the hill and then coast under the pits, actually, because uh, that gravel gets absolutely everywhere, everywhere, doesn't it? Yeah, he has got it restarted, actually. He's driving it. Yeah, it's a little bit right. of rally yeah. cross there, uh, but he's got it going and gets straight off the racing line. It gives it a bit of a wiggle. And then gravel is flying out of that. You spot on, Jeremy. So he'll drop into the pits now, which means that as soon as that safety vehicle is back on, back in its area. Coming up towards All Hallows Eve, of course, All Saints Day on November the 1st, Halloween uh, on the last day of October. 
All Hallows Eve, Halloween. Uh, already people getting ready to celebrate. I know it's a huge, huge festival and a lot of fun uh, in the States. Normally. Going to be a bit different this year. In normal times. Yeah, mm. going to be a bit different this year, isn't it? But we wish you all the best for that particular festival. Not too long to go to Thanksgiving either after that, is it, for those of you who celebrate that? It was just Canadian Thanksgiving this week. Oh, was it? Yeah. Is that a different... I didn't realise that was the thing. And a it's in October. Day. Oh, right, OK. Yep. Uh, there's Johnny Knotts and John Doonan. End of pit lane. Johnny Knotts on the left, John Doonan on the right, I think. Yep. Yeah, that is John Doonan uh, for the... Uh, uh, for those opposite pit lane, standing right a pit out, and with the uh, full gear on for the president of IMSA, learning what goes on in the pit lane, he has no clue that we're talking about them at the moment. <laughs> I'm going to get a text after this. Green flag. Out comes the field over the top of turn two. What a great sight that is. Still with uh, the better part of half an hour. In fact, just on half an hour. Oh, three wide through the S's. That isn't going to work. That's a uh, GT Le Mans BMW. I think that's the red BMW. Yes, it is going through turn five. Couple of prototypes, DPI and an LMP2 car, and for a moment there were three across the track. LMP2 pushing away, and I think that was the Inter Europol car recovering. Turn 10A. No big changes, of course, as we're getting back going for this. I, I, I'm impressed, but sort of not surprised, Jeremy, at how much running is going on here. It just goes to your point that you were making just as we went green some, what, an hour ago now, how important this last third of the race is going to be. Uh, with I think I said three hours and 43 minutes from official sunset to when the 10 hours elapses. A third of the race, you said, and clearly everybody's worked that out for themselves and realises how important it is to get... Oh, big slide at the top of turn two. I'll come back to that point. That was the number 74 a Mercedes AMG. And that was Ben Keating in that car. And there's somebody else off at the same part of the circuit. I think there's been a coming together and unfortunately all i can see at the moment are headlights it is the 85 so that is the cadillac number 85 which i'm st i still can't quite get used to not being bright yellow it's the white red and checker car of jdc and that was chris miller behind the wheel and there's damage to the left front of that car and as i said ben keating was there as well and they're both well, Ben was to the right-hand side of the road. 
just gets missed by another P2 car. And Chris went to the right. So who did what to whom at that point? Ah, Chris eased down on Ben as they were coming to turn two. And Ben did a really good job to stay off the wall on the right-hand side. Very easy to hit the wall on the right-hand side at the top of the hill there at turn two. <coughs> uh, Is it? Apparently. Alan McNish told me everybody does it there. Everybody. <laughs> and I said, I thought he went off further down. He said, yeah, but I went off a turn two as well. Uh, and another car in strife out there with no back wing. And that is... The 85 again. Is it the 85 again? So the back wing's come off that car. And he's got further round the circuit. Now, is that as a consequence of what happened at turn two or has there been another incident but the the rear wing has gone completely for chris miller i think he left his rear wing up at turn two john i think you're right i think that's uh, exactly what's happened and there is some damage to the left front of that car as well i definitely saw some bodywork damage there and it's going to be another red flag and that looks like Dennis Paul is back on the starter stand. It is Dennis. And waving with some gusto on what looks to be a quite chilly evening. Now the big jackets have come on from all of the officials. So 26 minutes, let's call it, uh, on the clock. The clock will continue to run. So Chris Miller, yeah, the rear ring was already off here. You were spot on. But there was damage to the left front, or at least something dragging on the left front of that car. Maybe he picked up his own wing when he'd spun. But definitely coming through turn one and heading up to turn two, Chris just eased across to the left-hand side of the road where Ben Keating uh, was, in fact, already taking up that piece of road there's a few deranged tyre bundles as well to drivers left at the top of the hill they will need uh, to have some attention so Ben Keating comes through turn one there's bright red head white headlights to his right hand side and it's, it, it, there's no intent there and, and we're not in a race situation but Chris just I think believing he cleared the Mercedes AMG and he hadn't and it was left rear of the prototype against right front of the AMG Ben as I said did a really good job of, of not doing very much actually but not panicking just let the car scrub off speed and then straightening itself up it would have been easy to have tried to fight that and ended up nosing head on into the wall on the right hand side he was pointing towards it for a wee while but actually travelling Exactly sideways. Beautiful recovery from Mr. Keating. Yeah, very impressive. Sometimes not doing very really much is exactly the right thing to do, Jeremy, in situations like that. It is, yes. Uh, you, you know, let the car sort, it, sort itself out. You know, if, if the car has a mind of its own, hopefully it's, it's, it's the right sort of a mind, and Good it point. clearly did on that occasion. You know, ben, Ben's been in this sort of, you know, he's 
he's been around this game quite a long time now, hasn't he? So he's picked up a lot of the tricks, but that was a, re- a really uh, nice job he did because, uh, as you say, absolutely no intent there from, from Chris Miller, just a, a very minor error of judgment. He just, I guess he just didn't believe that the GC3 car could break as late as it did, most likely. He, he would have gone whistling past it and thinking it was still his mirrors, but of course, because he's carrying so much speed into that corner, he's got to break a little bit earlier, effectively. So uh, there were, he hadn't cleared it before turning into the corner and just a little bit of a contact. I think it must have just caught the back end of, that, of, of Chris Miller's car, number 85, just, just at the wrong angle, just enough to just take off that, uh, that rear wing mounting. And Ben Keating out of his car as well. And Driver change practice? Yeah, I think so. Because he's on the wall. You're absolutely right. Yeah. He, he's one of the drivers that did need need to complete the uh, the the night session to be eligible for the race on on Saturday. But I'm I'm sure by now, of course, he would have already done that. Ben was actually texting me on Saturday because he wanted to know how to watch the Roval race with our audio, John. So he's, <laughs> a, he's a fan of ours. Uh, I could listen to him read the telephone directly. In fact, if he wants to put out a CD for that, uh, crack on. Uh, actually, that's his co-driver, isn't it? He... I know that Sorry. is Ben's. Who's is... Is that on the pit wall, Shea? Ben is on the wall, Gar is uh, in the car. Uh, yes, correct. Yeah, I, I, I second-guessed myself there. I, I said that in the first place, and then that second guess sort of changed, and they will change again, clearly here. So, as you say, driver change practice. So important to be able to get that right. Ben comes off the wall with his seat insert, reaches for the lap straps, and plugs himself in really hard to do that with a hands device on you can't look down so you have to do it by touch and by memory so the two straps that come in from the side and the crotch strap that comes up from underneath all fastening in as well as the two shoulder belts so five points of connection hence the five point harness and then pulled down tightened up over the shoulders tighten down onto the top of your thighs you really don't want to be moving around in a race car so the 74 did get back to the pit lane and the 85 Cadillac will get back to the pit lane but that has had to take some external assistance how far did that get down then that looks like it got down to just before turn five or six and I was right there was some damage to the left front and uh, the left front wheel looks like I may have damaged a bit of suspension there is a cutout under the infield there and the the flatbed can head in round the edge of what is uh, one of the handling circuits in the skid pan area up towards to in between in fact uh, turn five and seven in that area there a lot of good hard standing for parking in there and a very popular place for RV camping and then there's an internal road that can which is now all metalled as well it used to just be dirt and gravel in the early years that I went to road Atlanta back in the uh, late 1990s 1998 for the first Petit my first trip to Michelin Raceway road Atlanta and it's gradually been improved the infrastructure 
completely overhauled and of course culminating in the new Michelin Tower at the final corner, turn 12, which was opened at this time last year. And my goodness, what an edifice that is. Absolutely fantastic. Great facility. So waiting to go back green, and we are indeed green now, with just on 19, let's call it 20 minutes uh, remaining. So an opportunity for some more laps, which again, Jeremy, uh, pretty much all uh, of the teams in order as they're rolling out of the pit lane are taking advantage. Yeah, as we were, as you were talking about, just just as we went to red, you know, this is a critically important session. So uh, no surprise to see everybody taking full advantage of today. Most laps so far, I think, turned by the, the fastest car. Interestingly, number 31 wheel engineering cars turned 47 laps during this session. I think the least number of laps is 29 by the Ferrari. Shea Adam is our VP Racing Fuel pit lane reporter. Anything trickling through uh, from the pit or the paddock share that uh, would suggest anybody I, I can't see anybody making moves to pack up early to be honest no there's only a couple of cars that are still listed as being in the pit lane as of right now um the 48 paul miller racing lamborghini with brian sellers he had just gone out when the red flag actually came out so both madison snow and Corey lewis got about half an hour with the drive time and as soon as I say that, Brian leaves the pit lane, so thanks for proving me wrong. And the only car left here with me is Ben Keating uh, after doing the driver change practice. So the Riley Technology Mercedes, the lone car on the pit lane right now. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense to get out there and do the laps that you can. You know, 31 entries and hopefully 31 starters for Motul Patelam on this Saturday but still you do get, I know they've all just come out of the pits but I noticed it even after we'd had quite a bit of, what, nearly an hour of running, that you still get that effect that we tend to call clumping can't remember who coined that but even on the eight and a half miles of Le Mans with only 60 cars it just happens that you, the cars that running at roughly similar speeds tend to find each other on the track and then they're there for two or three laps and then the leaders have to come round and lap three or four cars at once and it all causes a bit of consternation in the race and on this uh, short course that's going to be the case this weekend Jeremy yeah you're absolutely right John I mean you know it, it, it's it's you know, it's two and a half miles so it's a reasonably good length track but it is so fast yeah and lap times do go go really really quickly here but you know the the, the prototype cars they'll be lapping the GTD cars every laps uh, and when you're talking about you know 450 laps whatever it is during this race uh, that's a lot of lappery I mean there's hardly any laps around here other than when you go back to green caution for as I say seven or eight laps possibly you'll have clear running out there other than that you're going to be in, tra in traffic the entire time so that's why uh, you know a lot of these a lot of these uh, teams 
for, for 10 hours, yeah, they could get by on two drivers, but it's mentally that it's so, so demanding here at those right. racetracks. That's why they're all, uh, everything has opted to go with three, three drivers because of that primarily. Yeah, that is a very good point. That is a very good point. We had the uh, virtual Petit Le Mans, uh, what, a couple of weekends ago. And even that was that was actually limited to 45 instead of 55 cars. Uh, and that did make it a, a very much more interesting. But a third of the field was out of that uh, and out of it relatively early on. It was uh, Jonas Wallmeier and Max Verstappen who won the prototype and therefore the overall version of that first major outing for iRacing's new LMP2, Dolara. And the Corvette was eligible for that as well, although I don't think anybody chose the Corvette. Mostly Alvar 1 GTLM were BMWs. There was one Porsche in that. But great race and accurately modelled, of course, by iRacing. Would you expect anything other? And all happened in the darkness hours, which I suggest might be the same in the full metal and carbon version of Motul Patilam on this Saturday. Tomorrow, very busy day here on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV with races and qualifying. Three Porsche races this weekend. Two of those are tomorrow. We'll have sound and vision coverage for that wherever you are in the world, whether you're in the States or further afield. Live streaming video with no blocks or brakes. We have qualifying for the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. See above live streaming video as well as our audio on RS2 and of course on 98.1 and around the circuit here at Road Atlanta Michelin Raceway and what have I missed out IPC race tomorrow that's one of the long races as well Jeremy isn't it the IPC race so that, that is that a four hour race a uh, three hour race three hour race yeah, no piece me. for the week yeah uh, yeah. Uh, yeah I think it's uh, three hours and that'll start tomorrow at what um, nine? Yeah, ten past nine local time in the morning. Yeah, three-hour race. That's the final round of the championship for IPC this season, and uh, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a good contest. There's not really it's just a few points in between the top two contenders coming into that final round. So that's going to be yeah, quite a lot of fun and very and super closely qualifying as well. Yeah, Brian Till joining Jeremy Shaw for that. We will. Don't worry, we're not just going to chin. Jeremy to the microphone stand and keep him uh, in the booth all day. We've got uh, Johnny Palmer. He's going to step in and uh, do a little uh, for us as well tomorrow so that uh, Jeremy can rest his voice. We've got the Mission Pilot Challenge as our Friday main event. That will be at the end of the day tomorrow. Uh, and again, for international listeners and viewers, you can see that and hear it, sound and vision. Uh, if you're in the States, is uh, available on a pay-per-view service. And then Saturday, it's the final of the Porsche races for the weekend. That sits nicely in between warm-up and the race for Motul Petit Le Mans. And the whole 10 hours is live here on IMSA Radio. And again, if you're outside the US, 
uh, the international TV is streaming on imsa.tv and radio-show.co.uk with IMSA radio commentary. If you're in the US, NBC on Big NBC on the network as well as NBCSN. Check local listings for details. No excuse to miss the action on Saturday. New, not leaving the pit lane. I was about to say new fastest lap. Leaving the pit lane, Lawrence Vantour for Porsche. 912 ahead of 911. Sorry, Chase, again. You were right on that. That was a new fast lap, John. Oh, was, okay. For Vantour. Thank you. Oh, yeah, 117272. Porsche, Porsche now then. Porsche, Porsche. Mm. Colin Brown also time. improved in LMP2, John. He goes, it remains in second fastest. Now, uh, finally, gets uh, within a couple of tenths of a second. It was time set very, very early on by uh, Mikkel Jensen, who's back at the back at the wheel of the tow, tower, excuse me, the uh, Starworks car. Yeah, Tamers, what by Star Wars? Big yeah. Car number eight. It's still been fastest all the way through this session, but Colin Brown now just a couple of tenths behind him in second position. Down to the last 10, 11 minutes to go. Philippe Nasser back behind the wheel of the Wheel and Engineering Cadillac, which has the fastest time for the evening. Just to give you some idea the fastest lap that car's put in is a 110-1 and a 110-2 for the second car, the championship leading machine. Scott Dixon and Scott just did a 113 and Felipe did a 111. So they're a little off their times. There by Felipe Nasser in that number 31 car. So, yeah, more than everybody else in this second most laps turned the LM2 leader, the Tamas, what edge? 51, the only plus 50, more than 50 laps. Yeah, that's it. Dennis just improved six well, a little while ago. He's in pits now, but just went six quickest in the FAF motorsports portion. That team, as we talked about earlier on, making its return to the championship this season for the first time since Daytona. They had plans, of course, to the whole championship, but with the COVID-19 restrictions, the quarantine requirements going between the US and Canada, they're unable to, to keep the original plan. Great to see that team back again here. Again, they just had a brief shakedown at Canadian time those part last weekend before bringing the car down here and up there now in the top six and six plan. Sorry, GTD. Share with some more news on FAF with this VP Racing Pit and Paddock report. It's not like FAF Motorsports have been sitting on their laurels during this period of time, though. They have been running, actually, in a Touring Cup championship north of the border, which it should come as no surprise. They claim the championship in that uh, session. 
So they've been busy. They've been keeping the crew well-oiled and everything getting ready and going. But yes, they are happy to be back south of the border and at least competing in the endurance races for the remainder of the championship. Uh, just to correct something that I said earlier on, uh, when I said check local listings for details, I've done that now. And in fact, uh, for those of you in the US, it's NBCSN for the first uh, six hours of uh, Motul Patilamon uh, from and then the last two and a half hours also on NBCSN uh, and from 6.30 till 9.30 on the uh, pay-per-view versions of uh, NBC so track pass or NBC Sports Gold so that's how you will get it so when I said check local listings for details, I should have done that before I opened my mouth, shouldn't I? <laughs> However, if you're outside the US, uh, the international TV feed, which is put together so wonderfully by our colleagues at Charlotte, so no breaks in that. We are straight through flag to flag. Uh, that is available to you on imza.tv or indeed at radio-show.co.uk uh, and on the IMSA live page there. And we will tweet all this out again, so don't worry if you don't catch it all. Um, you'll also find our enhanced timing and strategy software, so you can play a team manager and spot where everyone has last been into the pits and how much the driver times have been and who needs still to do some time, etc., etc. Uh, and that is all available. For, in fact, for all of the sessions that we cover here on IMSA Radio, and indeed for the Radio Show Limited network of Sound and Vision channels, timing.radioshow.limited, timing.radioshow.limited. That will get you into our dedicated timing area. And thanks to James and Tim for putting that together. And to our boss, the responsible adult, for making sure that we have all the clearances to use the data. Excellent work all. So now down into the last six minutes. Uh, and still plenty yeah, of cars John. out on the track, Jeremy. Excuse me, yeah. Just talking about, you talked about, you mentioned the minimum drive time there. Mm. Um, it, all, got, yeah, three drivers in each of the cars. In, in the pro classes, GTLM and DPI, minimum drive time, 45 minutes uh, for every driver. In the pro-am classes, it's uh, two hours and 30 minutes. So each of the three drivers in the pro-am classes has to do a minimum two hours and 30 minutes during this 10-hour race. So it's a fair driving time. That's almost 15 minutes shy of an entire race distance in a regular season IMSA World Tech Sports Car Championship race. Mm, very much. We're getting some decent times now. It's just starting to come back down again. And Dan Cameron's just put the fastest lap of this session in for his car, which is the number six Acura, a 110.262, and that's the fastest lap we've seen for quite a while, uh, and is only 0.087 away from the fastest lap of the session, and in fact it's about half that away from the second fastest lap of the session. We have three cars within 0 0.087, 87 thousandths of a second, four cars within a tenth of a second, because Ricky Taylor, in the second of the Acuras, is in fourth position now. 
Wow. Colin Brown also improves his time, second fastest in uh, LMP2, kind of a 38, the Performance Tech Motorsports entry, his first time with that team. It was a 111.2 by Michael Jensen earlier on in car number eight. Also improvement for the PR1 Matheson Motorsports entry. Simon Trummer goes third. GTLM also an improvement for Tommy Milner remains fifth fastest though in number four Corvette. Six cars in GTLM covered now by just six tenths of a second, and the car that's quote unquote lagging <laughs> in number 25. That's the car that won here last. Yeah, I, I think of all the classes, the one where I take least notice of the times early on is GTLM. Um, it's qualifying that you've got to keep an eye on. Spin at the bottom of the hill uh, in a very nasty position for Simon Trumet, that PR1 Matheson motorsport car that Jeremy was just mentioning, right in the firing line on the straight ahead position at turn 10A. Executes a rather neat and tidy flick turn and then burns a little bit of Michelin rubber as he gets back going again. So it didn't quite make the gravel trap, which means he's able to recover without assistance and presumably now will drop straight into the pit lane with a set of flat spotted Michelins and does so. That must be a bit scary. Always a bit scary when you're staring up the track at cars coming towards you at what seems to be unabated speed and no matter how many times you break for a corner uh, and realize that you know there's plenty of time to slow down when you're actually on the straight ahead position for the said corner and there's cars coming towards you they all look like they're breaking way too late way too late he's made it back to his pit stall and just on two minutes to go now another improvement this time from harry tinknell in the number 55 Mazda Motorsports Mazda DPI. That's another one. Let's see, that was another 110. Yes, it was. A 110.510. So now five cars within a third of a second. Starting to get interesting. Yep. And uh, and seven of the eight all in the in the one minute ten bracket. 110.1 for the quickest time for Felipe Nasser. 110.8. For, it was actually Sebastian Bourdais that set the time in car number five quite a while ago. The uh, the only outlier there is that number 85 car that's still behind three of the LMP2 cars, surprisingly. Mm. Although, is we see that car. Oh, that's a car. Uh, is that again now? No. Car that's uh, stopped earlier on after the incident. Chris Miller. Correct. Correct. Uh, that was rear wing damage and front left hand side, and that car was towed back, or at least came back on the flatbed, actually. It couldn't be towed. Chris Miller coming into contact with Ben Keating at the top of the hill at turn two. That car coming back on the flatbed and has not come out from behind the wall. Team taking the opportunity to do some work on that car. A little bit of bodywork damage on the left front, but I, s I would suggest there was a little more uh, going on under the skin of that car. It looked like maybe a bit of steering damage broken steering arm maybe perhaps a bit of suspension geometry that had at the very least been knocked out but the left front wheel was at a slightly jaunty angle 
That was from contact with a tyre bill at the top of the hill. Uh, and the rear left, slightly deranged bodywork and a rear wing aerofoil missing. That was where he sort of sideswiped. Wiped the nose, you would say, if that was a motorcycle race. Wiped the nose of uh, Ben Keating's AMG GT3. Mercedes-Benz. Keating, keeping it out of the wall. Go ahead, Joe. Surprisingly, well, the checker flag's just come out Correct. 15 seconds ago. The number 10 car just left the pit lane. That's uh, curious. Uh, there also, by the way, was an improvement by uh, Harry Ticknell last time around. A 10-3 for number 55 uh, Mazda. So that means now top uh, five cars covered by 0.129 of a second. Uh, in DPI. Brilliant. Also, a new fastest time there in LMP2. Once again, for the Danish driver, Mikkel Jensen, he's absolutely flying out there. A 1.11.1 for Mikkel Jensen. That's remarkable. I mean, that's just that's 1.02 seconds slower than the fastest time of the entire session. That's very, very impressive for somebody making their debut here at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta. Yeah, and that's that's from the fastest time in DPI, Jeremy. Yeah, It's less than exactly. half a second from the next prototype up the road. Not even four-tenths, in fact. Uh, and, and you might as well say half a second away for the next two cars because Oli Jarvis is not that far away either. That is very, very impressive by Mikkel Jensen. But we've seen how good this young Scandinavian is. He is very quick indeed and needs no second invitation to get into a car and find the speed in it and himself. I'm very impressed with that though, considering he doesn't know yeah. this track. Very impressed indeed. Well, there we are then. It's probably his first race in North America, isn't it? Uh, that's... Uh, I'd have to check that, but I think you're yeah. probably right. She is already scurrying for her notebook as you say that. Uh, that's our 90 minutes of darkness practice. Now, normally, uh, when we have it, there's a little bit of daylight at the start of it, but a couple of weeks later in the year, and it was full dark from when we went out at 6.30. Cadillac's first and second ahead of the two Acuras, ahead of the two Mazdas for the top six, and those top six separated by just on six-tenths of a second. And there's five-tenths of a second between the two Mazdas. So that means, as Jeremy was mentioning, the top five separated by 0.129 of a second. Jensen quickest for Tower Motorsport by Starworks and ahead of uh, Performance Tech in PR1. Uh, then it's GT, Le Mans, Porsche, Porsche, Corvette, BMW, Corvette, BMW, separated by, yeah, again, half a second, isn't it? Uh, Aaron Tealitz got some laps at the end for Im Vassar Sullivan in the Lexus RCF GT3, which was quickest ahead of Wright Motorsports Porsche. Team Hardpoint's Audi. Andrew Davis doing a cracking job there to put the uh, 120.660 in ahead of Scuderia Corsa Ferrari and the heart of racing Aston Martin. And they're all separated by mere tenths of a second, all running, roughly speaking, in the 120.5 to 120.8 second uh, bracket as well problems for chris miller the jdc miller motorsport cadillac clipping the front of the 74 riley motorsports amg gt3 mercedes-benz and ending up in the tire bundles at the top of the hill front left damage query that as possibly some suspension damage also some bodywork damage in a rear wing uh, off at the back of that car that did not reappear after it was trailered back 
to the pits. Exciting day. Thank you for joining us at the track on 98.1 FM and around the world on IMSA Radio. Get yourself some rest, particularly if you're in Europe, because it's a very full day of sound and vision coverage tomorrow on IMSA Radio and IMSA TV. Our thanks to everybody at the track and particularly uh, to our colleagues at uh, NASCAR Productions in Charlotte, making sure we could see right the way around the track. It was Kez Cobb in our main control room in London. Jeremy Shaw and Shea Adam joined me in the Haggerty Global Broadcast booth and Shea was our VP Racing Fuel Pit and Paddock reporter. I'm John Hindorf. Thanks for joining us this Thursday evening. We'll see you on Fast Friday. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.